Well, welcome to the latest edition of the Estate Agents Podcast. Really delighted to be joined by my co-hosts, Mr. Luke Sinclair and Andy Overman. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. And I'm very excited today, and it takes a lot for me to get very excited, but we've got um, an excellent guest here who had a pretty quiet um, 2019. Um, so crowned the UK's best estate agency by the Property Academy, as well as a best single office UK at the Negotiate Awards. It's the one and only Asad Riaz from the Location Location. How are you and welcome. Thank you. Good morning, gents. Great to be here. It is um, great having you on. So um, it's quite a year for you then last year. Yeah, we didn't do much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah congrats, yes. so congratulations. Um, not phenomenal achievement. So can you share with our listeners uh, your story? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm going to go back five years. That's... Uh, I wrote my 2015, actually, I wrote my five-year vision. Um, and aside from my personal goals and, and financial goals for the business, um, one of the things I wrote in my vision statement was that we were going to be recognised as the best estate agency in the UK. Um, and then I sort of thought, right, how are we going to do this? Um, in order to be the best, what do you need to do? You need to have the best people. Um, you need to have the best processes, the best technology, um, and be uh, surrounded by uh, mentors uh, and people who've been there and done it that hold you accountable. Um, and that was basically the start of, of the journey to where we are now. Wow. So um, best people, best processes, best technology, best men mentors and a five-year vision plan. What made you decide to have a vision statement? Where did that come from? Um, I've always believed in them. Uh, I, I think you have to, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. Um, and I think, I think as, as it's something I've always believed in, um, having, having a sort of long-term vision um, and then working backwards from there. Um, I, I think people, overestimate what they can achieve in one year and underestimate what they can achieve in five. Um, for instance, this, this time, for this decade, we've got a 10-year vision. Um, and I, I just think it's, it's, it holds you accountable. Um, and I just think it's really powerful, really. Um, you, know, you know where you're going. Uh, you, you know what your goals are and, and keeps you focused. Okay, so can we take all of those one by one? So if we start with your best people. Yeah. So recruitment is a challenge. Getting the right people in the right seats in the bus um, really hard. As old yeah. Jim, Jim Collins used to say in his book, Good to Great, which I'm sure you read because I know you've got a most incredible library um, in your office. Um, but how do you recruit? How do you go and get about the best people? What do they look like to you? Um, so, so the first thing we had to do, as, as Jim Collins says, is get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus. Um, and back then we had, what we realised is we had some of the wrong people. So um, first of all, got them off the bus and then it's recruiting the right people. Um, you have to get your 
culture right. You have to get your values right. And, and we recruit based on values, culture and team fit. Um, we have a three-stage interview process. Um, we get them to do personality profiling. Uh, we use a company called McQuaig. Um, it costs about £60 per profile, but it, what it does, it gives you a 35-page report um, and questions to ask them, um, and a very, very sort of detailed report um, on the particular strengths, weaknesses of that person. Um, so, so that's sort of part of the process. Um, we get them to meet other team members as well, um, see how they gel with them, um, plus a number of other things. Our, our questions are not your typical um, sort of questions. Uh, we, we sort of throw kind of what people may consider strange questions at them just to see what type of person they are. For instance, one of our questions is, what's your favourite swear word? Um, yeah, just uh, it's very, very interesting when you ask people questions they're not expecting. You, get, you really get an insight into that particular person. I want a job, please. <laughs> I, I could give you a plethora of swear words. I'm, <laughs> sure you could. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in um, one, one element of what you said there, I said, um, really, really interested, um, because you said you wrote it down. You had a plan and yeah. you wrote it down. Yeah. Um, what's the importance of writing down your goals as opposed to just talking about them with a peer partner? I think if you don't write them down, then it's just a dream, isn't it? It's, you, haven't, you haven't really, I don't think you're serious about it until you write it down. Um, and the other thing is, I don't think you can just write it down and, and just put it in a book and leave it somewhere for, for, for a year. Um, I, I look at mine every day. Um, Pete Wilkinson, who we work with, who's who's a performance coach, he actually writes his goals out every day, uh, which I think is very, very powerful. Um, and, and I think you need that in order to really, really be focused on, on what it is you want to achieve and, and what your long-term vision is. Um, and it just keeps you on the right track, really. So I think that's why it's important. Um, de definitely. And, and linking back to something that Josh Vegan always says, that, and he's a firm believer you need to read through your goals every day and if, if those goals aren't uh, exciting you enough then it's time for a new set of goals um, and that should be your kind of why that should be making you jump out of bed every morning to read those goals to get get you get you ready for the day and and he tells the story about um uh, when he's done some training and the guy says well i'm going to get a bit bored reading through my goals every day well it's time for a new set of goals if if you're going to get bored by reading through them Okay, so can I just go back, so about um, the best people, so you said it was three stage, first stage was um, personality profile, second stage was meet the um, other team, and what was the third one please? So the, 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 the actual um, personality profile is at the second stage, uh, so if they get through the first stage, the first stage is with myself, Vicky, um, who's our manager director, um, if they proceed to the second stage, we'll, between the first and the second, we'll ask them to do a personality profile. And then the third stage is they will meet the team. And um, the team will obviously ask them further questions and then we see how they deal with the team. 
Okay, and you talked about culture and values. So um, I've had the pleasure of being into, in your office and your office is exceptional. The culture there is um, fantastic. There's so much fun, there's so much energy every time I've been in there. It's very different look and feel to any traditional estate agent. Um, what were your reasons why for, for doing that? Um, I suppose culture in the business stems from the principles of that business. Um, and we wanted to make a place, we as in myself and Vicky, um, we wanted to make location, location a place where, yes, we are high performance, but we also have a good time. You, you probably spend more time at your workplace than anywhere else. Um, so, so why not make it a really nice environment? So the office needs to look nice, it needs to feel nice, they need to have nice staff rooms. Um, and, and while they're here, they, they, they also not only work hard, but they, they have fun doing it. Uh, I, think, I think that's very important. They, with the younger team. They do, they have a lot of fun there. Um, and when I was there, you had a marble jar. Yes. Are you happy to share what the marbles are for? Andy's looking at me very strangely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have quarterly campaigns um, and, and those campaigns are based around our KPIs and our targets. Um, but what Vicky likes to do is, is to just to make it a little bit of fun. So for instance, uh, the marble challenge was for every uh, prospecting valuation that you booked, you got one marble in your jar and, and basically the, the person with the most marbles won at the end of the quarter they became the boss specter <laughs> did they, yeah did they get did they get marbles as their prize uh so the prize is uh days off and the and the and a holiday as well weekend away paid for by us wow thank cool. you great excellent rules you out Stephen. you lost your marbles years ago my friend <laughs> you're, so, you're you're so kind you're so kind so you talked about um, your vision statement, best people, then best processes. So um, again, if we could unpack that, what do you mean by best processes? Um, so we work with Mr. Ian White, uh, who everybody knows. Uh, he's our non-exec director. Um, we've been working with him for a few years. So, so one of the first things we did with Ian when Ian started working with us was to look at everything we did um, and we used a process called O-gapping, which is O-G-A-P. O stands for outstanding, G stands for good, A stands for average, P stands for poor. Um, we got all the team in a room and, and we looked at, for instance, how do we answer, answer phone calls? And we said, is on, on the O-gap uh, profile, is it Poor, is it average? Is it good? Is it outstanding? Um, and if it was anything but good or outstanding, we put a process in place to, to make it good or outstanding. Um, and we did that for everything. Um, and then that formed part of the protocol document. Um, and, and that's basically our sort of internal uh, Bible, if you like, to, to how we do stuff. And it's, it's a continuous process because as, as you guys probably know, um, what may work one year may not work the year after. Um, so it's, it, it is a sort of continuous ongoing process of, of looking at everything we're doing and, and continually o-gapping everything. Um, and that's what we've done over the last few years and, and it seems to have worked. 
So where's next? Stephen talks about his um, his BHAGs, his uh, big, hairy, audacious goals. You're top of the pile in terms of um, our profession in, in the UK. Um, it's widely recognised with the awards. Um, what, what's the next goal? What's, what's the next plan? Are you expanding, looking to emulate that across other offices? Or, or is it even bigger than that, Asad? Can you share it with us? Uh, yeah, it is bigger. <laughs> I don't actually think we're the best. I, I, um... Yes, we won these these quite prestigious awards, but I think there's so much more we can do better, um, and that's the exciting bit for me. Really, is is um, I know where we can improve. Um, so it's number one, first and foremost, is, is is continuing to improve on on how we do things. So growing the team in terms of personal growth, better processes, better technology. Um, and then, yes, we are looking to expand the business. So um, we will be uh, sort of reaching out from where we currently are, definitely. You talk about growing the team, and that's something that, that fascinates me. We've actually had a message on the um, EA podcast uh, Facebook page from a listener who would like to remain nameless. Um, but they've said, how do, how do your guests get the buy-in from their team members? They look up to people like Matt Nicol, Luke Sinclair, yourself, who have got the buy-in from, from their team members. Um, and this particular individual um, feels that there's uh, more than one in their team that are sort of sitting there coasting through the day, nine till five. It's more of a salary than a career. Um, it's a means to an end. And they've tried various different things to incentivize, whether that be financial, time off, letting them go to the kids' plays, tried to find their push points, um, and, and, and they're struggling. And it's, it's with more than one member of the team, and it's now starting to affect the dynamic of the team. So from somebody who puts a huge emphasis on staff, performance, the culture, how would you deal with that, Asad? And be as ruthless as you like. Our <laughs> listeners like that. I think it goes back to having the best people. Um, and if you've got the, the, the wrong people on the bus, then ultimately it sounds quite harsh, but you have to get them off the bus. Um, if you've done everything you can to, to motivate someone and, and drive them and train them and it's still not happening, then they're the wrong person. Um, and, and, it, and you have to recognise that and, and, and basically uh, get rid of them, really, and, and, and find people who... who are the right people and, and who are part of, of, of who believe in the vision of the business and, and who will do everything they can to to work with you as opposed to against you really and, and what would you say you're in obviously a large urban area what would you say to those business owners and uh, management teams that are in uh, uh, more rural areas for example i'm on the norfolk suffolk border town of eleven thousand. quite an economically deprived town um, if, if I'm straight with you. So there tends to be low aspiration. Try to recruit that culture in an environment like that. One, one of the things we like to do is we, we recruit from outside the industry. So very few of the people who work for us uh, have done agency before. Um, and, and what we find is that when, when we do bring people like that in, they, they've got no expectation of what estate agencies should be um, and they're probably the best people to mold and, and train and grow because the bar is the bar that you set them um, and that's basically what they'll work to as opposed to coming from another agency where we found that you have to untrain them before you can train them 
Um, and, and the expectation sometimes is unrealistic. You, you can't run before you can walk and, and you, you have to give before you can get. And, and I, th I think people from outside the industry, they're prepared to do what it takes, um, obviously providing they're the right fit for the, for the business. I know this is something that Luke has um, done recently. I said, Luke, you recruited somebody to your London New Home, was it London New Homes group from yes. Thomas Cook, wasn't it? With the redundancies yeah. at Thomas Cook. So literally the week, uh, I think of that week, or it might have even been the next day or two days afterwards when I, Thomas I can Cook remind you, Luke, was. it was the very next day you posted it on the internal <laughs> WhatsApp group. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we, we've been fortunate to get the talents of one of their store managers that was looking after uh, one of their, one of, two of their store, well, three stores actually, one of them being quite a high profile one in the shopping centre. Um, no property experience, but he's gone all guns blazing and he really is making waves into uh into the land of new homes arena he's he, within his first week he got a listing um so without experience but he's got passion and he's willing to learn and he he goes out he pounds the streets he goes to the new home sites and and again i think we need to look outside of maybe the industry to look for those key performers. And we, we all heard of the stories that there's plenty of talent that was in Thomas Cook. And, and we're a testament to that. Um, and Chris, he's a great asset to the business. Um, and, and as you know, I'm a firm believer in, in developing a team, developing a family and developing culture. And you've got to have fun at work, um, but you're not going to get it by, just doing one thing you've you've got to be consistent and I think that's Stephen's favorite word beginning with a C uh, is that consistency over how you're looking after your your colleagues what you do for them and, and I love that bit that I said talked about and that's something that I'm really key on for this year is building that environment for them amongst where they work so uh, I'm ashamed to say that some of our staff areas weren't the best um, if anything they were really abysmal but we're working on that this year to make it cozy, to make it a bit like a lounge environment in some of the offices so that they can bit of a cough table if they want the radio on to listen to the radio whilst they're on their lunch break um, so that they, they can chill out and then come back all charged up, but also enjoy that room. And it's not a cold uh, kind of back office somewhere. So, um, and I absolutely love the marble, marble jar idea. I think that's absolutely superb. Um, and, uh, um, the, the lessons from doing this podcast uh, are immense. Um, I've got I've got pages of notes, but but yeah, there, there's plenty of talent out there, and I, and I think it's time to look outside the industry at the moment to find those key people that are going to be with you for a long time. But also not forgetting, I can't remember who it was recently. Staff aren't going to be with you for life, so you've got to sometimes help them grow to move on to better things, and and you've got you just got to accept that. Absolutely. And I have to say, Stephen, if that's your favourite C word, you've failed Assad's um, interview test for swear words straight away. What can I say? It is my favourite C word, consistency. So there you go. Um, so Assad, um, one of the things you talked about, and uh, I'm quite a bit of a technical geek, so you talked about having the best technology. So from Assets uh, Map of the World, what, what, where do you see um, the best technology in a state agency at the moment? So we took the rather 
brave or you could call it stupid maybe uh, step of um, building our own CRM. Um, a few years ago we looked at what was out there um, and decided that none of them really fitted what we wanted. Um, so we, I spoke to um, Ruben who used to own Coulter's and Ruben had a basically a, a, a software uh, which is based on Salesforce, um, and we decided to go down that route. So uh, we basically decided to use Salesforce and build our own platform on the Salesforce platform, um, and that's the CRM that we now have in place. And, and yes, it's been a very very painful journey because um, developing software is not really my skill set. But what it's given us is is ultimate flexibility now um, any sort of process that we want to put in place we can uh, we can just get the the, the, the process uh, built into the software and, and that's worked wonders for us really um, yeah no so, and that's that's really interesting because we did the similar route so we developed our own CRM where um, this was back in 2000 and Five, I believe it was. None of the offerings for software were any credit were, had any credibility. So, uh, so since then we've gone down the route of developing our own. It's not on something as fancy as Salesforce, but uh, it it allows us to be flexible, and we've got a lot of tweaks in there that uh, none of the CRMs out there provide even now. Um, but then we don't have some of the bells and whistles. So. So, um, so no, and I presume that's probably come at quite a cost, but then that's bespoke to you. Yeah, it is quite a cost, but I, I look at my business uh, with a long-term view. I'm not that interested in, in making year-to-year -year profit. I'd rather put the money back into the business and, and build a good foundation. And what it's done is, yeah, for a few years, obviously our profit was a lot less because we were investing heavily, but... Um, it's given us a good foundation to grow from. Um, I've, I've got a longer term vision for the business. So that's, that's what I'm focused on. Superb. And so outside of obviously your CRM and that being the, probably the, be the best investment that you've made then, what, what, what other things could agents uh, be looking at for technology wise? Um, in terms of technology, we use uh, Spectre, which we've had great success with. Uh, we use a system called Area, which manages our incoming leads. Uh, that's a phenomenal system. Um, and, and that's integrated into uh, our own CRM. Um, what that does is give us the capability of not only managing the leads, the, our lead volume is immense. Um, not only managing the leads that are coming in and making sure none fall through the net, uh, also managing the behaviours of the team um, and it gives you a great insight into how quickly uh, people are picking up those leads, what the response times are, what's happened after that process, um, not only with the, the, the particular lead but also the, the, the team member as well. Um, so, so that's been a fantastic bit of kit for us. Um, where do you see things heading? Because you, you, you touched on it very, very briefly a moment ago. I said, you know, what works one year is not going to work the next. And I think that, you know, certainly in the last quarter of a century, I mean, when I first started, it was impossible to get a house on the market in less than five weeks. Now, 
Um, not that it's the right thing to do, but because it, it, it could be five hours. Um, but where, where, where do you see technology going? Where, where do you see, I mean, we're starting to see, um, for example, on our IGTV, Instagram TV, we're starting to see more traction on that with the younger generation. So Facebook advertising is now dropping into the IGTV to obviously appeal to, to that side of things. Um, we're finding an increasing number of clients uh, trying to reach out to us with WhatsApp. Um, don't want to have a conversation don't answer their email, but we'll quite happily sit there all thumbs on WhatsApp all day, every day. Where, where do you see things heading? What's, what's working for you in your area? And where do you see things heading for 2020? I agree. Looking at our, our stats, the, 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 the number of people who are actually willing to pick up the phone, as in, as in when you ring them, is, is reduced year on year. Um, what, WhatsApp's a big thing. It's, it's one of the things we're building into our CRM at the moment. Um, I think you still need people. Um, it's still a people business. Um, I, I think you're going to have less agents with better technology um, being able to do more. I, I think that's the future. So tech-enabled estate agents um, as opposed to technology taking over. I don't think technology will ever take over all the functions. I, st I still feel you need people behind that. Absolutely. It's a really interesting concept, people by people. Um, I think it's really important. You seem to be promoting your people um, ahead of your brand. So the brand is a byproduct of the people that are, are working for you and representing that. And you're kind of, it seems to me like you're empowering those people to create their own individual brands, falling beneath that location, location brand, and then giving you know superior services as a result of it. I think it's really important to remember that people want to engage on different platforms. And it, it's, it's no longer the case that you can say you 20 years ago it was 10 pages of advertising in the local paper and somebody had to pick up the phone to make the inquiry didn't they but um so many people want to reach out to you in different ways now and um i think it's important that you you, you give them the option to do all Stephen, um there's a couple of things i wanted to discuss um you're exceptional um with all the charity work that you do i know that you um were involved in i think collecting toys for over four and a half thousand children um, last year and you also run uh, a literacy lit I can't even say it I need it literacy pirates reading scheme um, where you sponsor 10 children um, and there is a lot lot more that you do um, there was a food bank as well wasn't there Stephen yeah uh, an official food bank drop-off center as well so um, charity why is it so important to you I think it's very, very important to give back and, and it is one of our core values as a business. Um, we've seen the more you give, the more you get back. Um, and we don't do it to get back. I, I think if you, if you do it from a point of view, it's, it's the right thing to do. Um, it will come back to you in other ways. And, and it's, it's always been, I, I grew up on a council estate in, in Hackney. Um, not not a very uh, quite a poor background um and i've been fortunate enough to to do quite well out of life so um, i understand what it's like um and, and and that's probably one of the biggest reasons really is to to uh help uh, our local community that, 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 that the need's massive and, and if we can do our little bit then then we should Absolutely. That's admirable. I was that council house kid, I said, and uh, I'm not ashamed to, to admit it. It's, it's what gives me the drive and passion I have today. And I think giving back to the community that, that you serve is an integral part of, of what we do. Luke, um, I know it, it's something that, that, that you do 
very regularly as well. Yeah, no, hundred hundred percent. And I think everyone's got that obligation to contribute to the community that that they live, work, uh, and and operate in, and and that 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 can that can be as little as taking part in just one charity event a year and building on it from there. So just do one thing. Um, we for we're now getting the team on board, and and again, that all part comes part of them building that culture, which I said. Um, mentioned at the beginning because your team get involved and it it has it has the benefit of building team but also helping the local community so we're doing uh, a charity swim marathon uh, on the 8th of uh, March last year four of us did it this year 13 of us are doing it um, so um, and that all goes to 60% of the money raised goes to local charities and two of the local charities actually four of them um, out of the six or seven um, are all charities that we support throughout the year and obviously all the podcast supporters and listeners all helped us with the rainbows one at christmas time with sean so um yeah de- definitely i think every everyone should be looking at how they can help their local community as said do you find you get good team buy-in from your community work because obviously you've got i know they're not you know they didn't come into the industry as estate agents but you have nurtured them and progressed them as phenomenal estate agents within your brand so they're going to be hungry they're going to be wanting the commission um it's sometimes difficult um i've found to to get team buy-in when they're salespeople, and it's you know why, why are we going to go and stand there dressed as olaf because we're not actually going to sell a house from it um how, how do you get the buy-in what what's uh what what what, what how does that work within the, the culture of location location Again, it, it goes back to the, the, the recruiting process and, and getting the right people. The, the, the right people will do most of what you want them to do. Um, so, yeah, the, we've never had a problem with, with buying. We, and, and funny you should say Olaf, because that was actually the, the, the Christmas party that we did for 300 local kids this year, or, or in, in 2019. Uh, we, we ran a, uh, a free annual party, um, and the theme this year was... Um, Fro- Frozen and Olaf. Frozen, was the one. <laughs> cool. Yeah, oh, so we I wish my kids had known you. I've, I've got two doting Anna and, uh, Anna and Elsa fans. Sorry, when I call her Anna, I get uh, told off for it. Anna and Elsa fans in the house. Um, but no, that, I mean, that's admirable, isn't it? So you, 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 you use a, m- a multitude of sources and you pay back to the community in a, in a number of different ways. Stephen touched on them a, a moment ago. But I think one thing that has become prevalent, uh, particularly over the last decade, is the number of families that have resorted to... Um, needing to use food banks and when I was reading the bio and and uh, myself and Stephen and Luke were doing some of the research showing some of the research on yourself and your business um, I was absolutely amazed at um, what you what you do and you are now a recognized uh, food bank donation point for your local area aren't you? We are yeah so we're a permanent uh, drop-off point for Hackney Food Bank um, yeah like you said um, the thousands of local families who, who actually rely on it um, and, and we feel it's very very important so uh, not only do we act as a collection point we also donate to it as well so uh, we will buy uh, bulk food as well um, for, for the food bank on, on a regular basis when when they have shortages um, we we do big Facebook campaigns um, and, and, and that helps massively as well um so yeah i think i think it's very very important to 
do a number of things, not just one thing. Um, the food bank being one of those. Brilliant. As I said, we're releasing this episode, actually. We're giving our, uh, our listeners uh, an absolute treat because we're releasing this beginning of the week, Monday, um, get people fired up, ready for their commute to work. Um, and uh, over the course of January 2020, we've been issuing Kickstart 2020, three key tips from, from our um, uh, co-presenters to kickstart your best year yet. Um, there's loads and loads of value that people have, have taken for this. But what three things, if you could reach out to our audience now, now um, what three nuggets of advice would you give our listeners to kickstart their best 2020? So number one, I would say, have some goals and write them down. Number two, I would say, get someone to hold you accountable. I think that's vital. Um, and number three, just do it consistently, as, as Stephen Brown says. Um, no, no point having goals and, and they, they're them just sitting there. You just have to do the work, really. And friend of the show is Andy Davies and uh, James Neve, isn't it, Stephen? And his, uh, his favourite expression is JFDI. JFDI, just flip into it. He does, and I think I'm joined by my dogs now, so they're saying hello to Assad as well. <laughs> this professional podcast that we this run here. professional <laughs> podcast. We're waiting for the parrot to start talking as well. So um, Sam's just walked we had in. Olaf, <laughs> we've had as well. Sam's just walked in, so the dogs are saying hello to her. So one quick question. You talked about accountability. Um, how do you hold yourself and how do you hold um, your team accountable? I, uh, I have, uh, obviously, uh, Ian White is my uh, non-exec director, so he holds me accountable on the business front. I also uh, continue to work with Mr. Pete Wilkinson, who's uh, our performance coach. So not only does he hold me personally accountable, he holds our team accountable. Um, and on the personal front, I, uh, as part of my fitness goals, I have a fitness trainer as well, who personal trainer, um, who holds me accountable on that front. I, I think you need coaches and mentors um, to hold you accountable. Uh, it, it's it's quite hard to do it on your own um so just yeah having people there to keep you on track really and be honest with you when, when you're not so that's really interesting if you look at all the top performers in life and if you look at all the elite sports athletes there are they all have different coaches and you've described having a performance coach. You've described having a, a non-executive um, mentor, Ian, who's helped you with all your processes. You've got a fitness coach as well. Um, you most probably got a nutrition coach to embarrass us all as well. That's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> See? So, um, but you know, you've demonstrated in the time we've had today, which we're incredibly grateful for, um, why you so deservably won um, those two awards and more over the course of the last six or seven years that you've been going. You know, they thoroughly deserve the culture you've got, the values you've created, um, the people that you've got, the best people that you've got. As Andy said, um, you matured them, you've gone out, you've looked at the, the best technology, um, you sourced it. Um, You've gone, um, I suppose, success leads clues with what's happened with um, Rubin as well. Um, made it your own. 
Um, so we're really grateful for your time. Guys, any other questions or? Yeah, no, I was just... it's been um, very valuable from, from my aspect. I've made loads of, loads of notes and I think I'll be uh, dropping Assad a message outside of the podcast to find out a bit more as well. Definitely. We'd love to probe further. I, I suppose one of the things we could say is that you know, we're approached a lot of the times by our listeners. Maybe they're a little bit disenchanted with where they're at, the employers they're with, um, you know, if they're, if, if they're employed. Um, so if, if you are in the industry or, or possibly outside the industry in an asset area and think that you could um, help his business grow and you uh, would like to, to see whether you're the right cultural fit for, for the team there, drop him a line, reach out to him on Facebook and LinkedIn and um, you know, maybe we can help uh, re- re- be, be your next recruit for you, Assad. That'd be amazing, yeah. And even if you're not in the area and, and, and you're, you're thinking of going out on your own, branching on your own, then, then I'm happy to have a conversation around that, absolutely. Perfect. Words of wisdom for one of the industry greats. As I said, thank you very much for appearing on the Estate Agents podcast. Uh, We know that you've added loads of value to ourselves, so uh, we'll have done to our audience as well. I wish you and your team a very happy, healthy and prosperous 2020, and may it be your best year yet. Congratulations on the awards. Thank you. Thank you.